This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Russ. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Ivan Tuttle. And Ivan has an incredible story of visiting heaven, visiting hell. Yes, hell, because at the time of his life where he literally died, and he had the most incredible experience in hell and heaven. And I've done this show many times, and this is some of the most compelling insights to what is actually going on in heaven and hell. And your, your life's going to be touched. And several things that Ivan talks about is going to really minister to you because I'm telling you, this stuff is for real. Ivan, thank you for being with us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Ivan, you admittedly had a hard childhood. It was rough. Talk about some of the things that were going on in your life at that time. I had a father that was a bricklayer, and he had this anger streak in him. And, of course, I had ADHD. wasn't diagnosed till much later in life, but, you know, I was always into everything. And my father used to beat me really, really bad. I mean, it's a, it's a long story. But, you know, all the ribs in my back were actually broken from my father from a belt. So, yeah. So, yeah, there were some tough things that went on there as a kid, you know. I didn't quite fit in with a lot of kids, so I was kind of a loner. But, yeah, went through a lot of tough things as a kid. So your upbringing, would you say that led you, I should say, to a lot of the uh, things that you got into, uh, marijuana and smoking and uh, just messing around doing the things of the world? Well, it did. But, you know, it started out as a kid. You know, my my only place I could ever go to was to God. You know, I, I would go to Jesus. I would talk to God and Jesus. Age of eight, I was saved. And then I was filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking in tongues by the time I was 10. But... Uh, it, all of these scars left a lot of damage in my life, yes. Yes, and, and that is very important for everybody to understand that are listening here because in 1978, you were 26 years old, and something began to happen in your life. Your leg was bothering you. Talk, talk about what happened there, that whole story. Sure. Well, what happened is I started, you know, back then I was one of these guys I loved to dance. You know, it was when disco was around, and I thought I was a good dancer anyways. So I'd go out to nightclubs, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights. You know, I'd be gone. Uh, I'd be up there dancing all the time. Well, I started getting a, like, I thought it was a Charlie horse in my left calf. And no matter what, I mean, I kept having this pain. So finally it got so bad. I went to the doctor and I said, hey, doc, you know, what's wrong with my leg? It's like this Charlie horse won't go away. And he looked at me and he did a little exam, you know, and he says, hey, he says, I think you have thrombophlebitis. And, of course, I was 26 years old. I never heard that word. I thought he was talking about a trombone or something. <laughs> it was just a funny word I hadn't heard. So I thought, you know, well, what are you talking about? So he told me it was a deep blood clot in my leg. And he told me, he says, I really think this is what's going on. And, hey, if you don't, you know, you, you got to get this fixed. And he says, now, how old are you again? And I said, well, I'm 26. And then the doctor says, well, do you smoke cigarettes? I thought that was odd because I thought everybody did back then. And, and I told him, yes, I smoked in between a pack or two a day at the time. I was, I was working in sales, so it would be in between customers. And he told me, he says, listen, you can die from this. You know, this blood clot can get loose and can kill you. Well, I thought, it, I personally, to be honest with you, at 26, 
I thought blood clots were just for old people. I didn't know young people again because I never heard of it. I knew my grandfather had them once or my great-grandfather. I can't remember which one did. So I just went on, you know, he called the hospital and I just left. I never went to the hospital. I just went back to my old lifestyle. And then about a week or so later, man, it got so big. My leg did. And so bad, I ended up in the emergency room. And they were measuring my legs, and they were showing me the big difference. And then they did something on me called a radioactive retrograde uptake. It was the first person in the country they did this to. And the reason they did it, I was so allergic to the IVP dye that they used to see the blood clots that they tried this method on me. So they did it, and they found this huge blood clot in my left calf. And they immediately told me I can't move. I mean, they put me in the bed. That's it. You're done. And stuck me in the hospital. And they kept me in there for pretty close to two weeks. And uh, that's that's what happened to my leg. So, And that's what ended up putting me in the hospital. So you got home from the hospital. The first thing you did was light up another joint, right? And you smoked it. Uh, and, you know, that... You just you know, you just thought, hey, I'm indestructible, I guess. And around nine o'clock, you you felt tired. You went to bed, and then at nine twenty, around that time at night, you were woken up by something grabbing your wrist and holding on very tight. Please tell us what happened from that point on. Sure. So what happened is, you know, like you said, I went home. I, I I'd been dry for like almost two weeks. No no pot, no drinking, no anything, nothing else. So when I got home, the first thing I did was light up a joint. I mean, that was the first thing. And so anyways, I went to bed. Now, I never go to bed before midnight, even today. Usually it's 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. But I, I went to bed that night. It was like, man, I was tired. I was sleeping. I went to bed. It was like 9 o'clock. And I thought, this is odd, but I had to go to sleep. My body felt really weird. Around 9.20 that night, and the reason why I know is because I did look at my clock, and, and I'll explain to you what happened here. All of a sudden, something grabbed my left wrist, and I mean, it grabbed a hold of me, and it jerked me up out of the bed. Now, I'm a good-sized guy, and things like that, I mean, I was very, very strong and very fit back then, and I could take on just about anybody or anything. And this thing grabbed me, yanked me up out of bed. The first thing I did was swing to hit it, and nothing happened to it. I mean, it wasn't even affected. Wow, and I thought, what's going on? This is this thing's got me. I don't know what's going on. I thought maybe this is just a bad dream, you know. And like every kid in the world, you think, well, if I just turn the light on, it'll go away. So I reached over to turn the light switch on, and my hand went through the wall. As wow. soon as my hand went through the wall, I realized, uh oh, I must be dead. And I turned around and I looked, and there's my body in the bed, and this thing has a hold of me. And I thought, oh no. And instantly, see, see, what happens is I found out later, what happens is once you die, your spirit knows everything. Your spirit can comprehend and know everything. Our brains can't. And so all of a sudden, I knew I was in, I was dead. I knew I was going to hell. And this demon took me, and it started taking me to a place that I call hell, and I know it was hell. And I started hearing people screaming. I, I mean, I could smell stuff. It was the most horrible smell in the world you could ever imagine. But this thing had a death grip on me. It would not let go, no matter what I did. And, and people were screaming, and people were hollering at me. They were saying, help me, get me out of here, tell my family, tell my children. It, it was just horrible. It was the most horrible thing. I realized 
it hit me that I was in hell. And this evil spirit that had a hold of me began laughing at me. It, he thought it was the funniest thing that I fell for this trap, and here I am in hell. Because I was once a good kid. Uh, Ivan, you had given your life to the Lord, and, and spirit-filled, even did a little Bible college, and now you're moving towards the center of hell. What what happened here? Well, you see, that's that's basically the big lie, you know, is that people think that once saved, always saved is, is a fact. And I can tell you it's not because I was saved truly saved, truly filled with the Holy Spirit, was going to Bible college. And, and I walked away from Bible college because of a girl, and I got into drugs and got into drinking and everything else, and and I got trapped. And here I am now, I'm trapped, and I'm, I'm going towards the center of hell. And this demon just kept laughing. It is the most hideous sound you could ever imagine. And, and the smell was so bad in there. And it's it's not like it's like when you get a little bit of a pain, like if you get a splinter in your finger, it hurts in your finger. A splinter in hell hurts through your whole being. Your whole body feels it. Wow. It's horrible the, the amount of pain. But I think the thing that struck me the most was the hopelessness. There's no hope. When you're there, you've lost all hope because everybody in there wishes and would do anything to get out of there. And you know that you're gonna be put I knew I was being taken to my final place. I knew that was going to happen to me. And and people were cursing God and and yelling and, and saying different things. I'll tell my loved ones, you know, hell's for real. But it was useless. It was useless to them. And even for yourself, you were crying out. And you said it didn't even yeah. matter. No matter how much you were crying out, it didn't matter. You, you know, it's it's like sitting in a room that's soundproof and the sound goes nowhere and Every word you say just sticks to you. It doesn't go anywhere. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, your prayers are done. When you're in hell, it's over. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know how to explain this any more than to say that, look, it's final. It's something our brains can't comprehend, the finalness of what hell is like. But it's so hopeless. You could you could jump out of an airplane at 15,000 feet up without a parachute and have nothing but rock and concrete to land on, you have more hope that you're going to be alive and not have a broken bone by doing that without a parachute than you do when you're in hell. And Ivan, uh, personally, I've had an experience in heaven, uh, a few in heaven and in hell, and I've never heard anybody say that until you said that because I felt what it was like. I'm not going to go into that story here, but I felt what it was like to know that you know that you know that you can never have another chance, that you're completely abandoned by God once you're there. And uh, it's the most horrific feeling in the world. It's, it, it, it's, there's hopelessness, like you said. And Ivan, when you were there, let's talk about some of the things that you saw. You saw grotesque figures, huge ones, little ones, and all this stuff. What, what were you seeing around you? Oh, well, Ryan, hey, listen, I was watching these demons. Yeah, I was watching all of these demonic creatures that were going around. Some of them were 10 or 12 feet tall, uh, grotesque with rotted flesh, smell that matched. There were some that looked like snakes. There were some that were real small. There were some that were real big. You know, I, I, I watched them as these demons were going to the center of what I call the center of hell. They were going there. They were getting word as to what to do and then leaving and heading back to earth. And you said that you saw these spirits that had a level of intelligence, so to speak, because they've been watching people for thousands of years. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, that's that's just it. See, they here's the thing is that demons have been here for thousands and thousands of years. They've watched us on Earth. They've watched us. They watch the things that we do. They watch our reaction to different things, not just when you're in church or, or when you're doing good. They watch every reaction that we do. They know us like a fine-tuned, you know, fiddle, believe me. They, they, they know exactly, and they can play us perfectly because they know our expressions. They know everything that we do. And, and they, what they would do is they would send uh, some of these creatures of deception. They would send out there, and they would go into people, and they would usually go into like a pretty woman or a handsome guy to entice people to do things they wouldn't normally do you know, uh, have sexual things with them. And the same demonic spirits would get people to believe in things like fortune telling, horoscopes, mind reading, you name all these things, you know, uh, the Ouija board and everything. People don't realize that it all has demonic background in it. And the evil spirits would actually use these things because they knew all the things about people. The twists and turns that the demon spirits would do to people and the lies led them to believe they were per- they were set up to be purposely deceptive. And people don't realize that many things on the earth have, you know, demonic beginnings, stories about vampires, werewolves, white magic, witches, trolls, ogres, even movies where they're supposed to be good witches and warlocks that fight evil. Uh, all come from a demonic demonic background. It's not from God. This is demonic. Video games. Now, I, I want to get into this for just a minute. Video games that have this violence in it, this murder, extra lives, battle for evil forces, etc., all have a demonic presence in them. So, and, and the problem is, Ryan, is so many people are blind to this today. But that, too, is a trick of the devil. And so when I was reading this to all your you parents out there and grandparents, when I was reading what Ivan was talking about, because this was in 1978 before these games, a lot of these games, video games came out. And so he, he saw this going on. And listen, my friends, it's devastating your kids and, they, and you don't even realize it. You got to watch what they're letting come into their eyes. Uh, you have to watch what's coming into their ears because it's very deceptive. It comes in uh, uh, very innocent, it seems, at first, and then it tries to take you over. And uh, I've worked with kids uh, as a pastor whose parents, you know, let them watch YouTube all day. And next thing you know, they got an evil spirit that tried to attach themselves to the kid because they, they were watching stuff they shouldn't. And you saw, Ivan, all this stuff before it even came out. Listen, Ryan, the only game they had back then was something called Pong. I remember. It was like yeah. a kid <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know, sorry, but that's my sound effects. No, I remember. But, yeah. <laughs> but I used to love that game, you know. That was the only thing they had. Now, that was innocent because it's just tennis, but it wasn't so innocent, too, because what it did is it drew you away from the things you needed to do. Exactly. Not, nothing's wrong with, with having some things, but when you get addicted to something, then addiction's bad. But basically what's happening is this is in 1978 before they ever came out with them. And what's happening with these parents is they're leading their kids straight to hell by letting them play these games. You see, today there's very little communication with kids. What do we have? We text our kids to come home. We text our kids to do something. In the same house, parents are texting their children. They're not communicating. 
They're not talking. They're sending text messages to their kids. They're giving their children their cell phones. I'm watching little babies that can't walk yet sitting there playing with a parent's cell phone. Wow. And and this is what's happening. They sit there, oh, here, just give it to the kid. It makes them happy. Don't do that. Because what happens is that now you're, you're, you're opening up something in them that you don't realize. And, I mean, you might think, and if you want to give it to them and put some Christian music on, great, but leave it like that. But what's going on is that people have ignored this for so long, and, and they're destroying the relationship that these children should have with them, with the parents, and with God. And in hell, there was talk about these demons that were going to rob, steal, and destroy the parents' relationship with their children. And they plan to do this through books, video games, music, teachers, and even our own government will do some of it or has tried to. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe that 100%. And Ivan, in your book, you go into real detail about your experiences in hell and in heaven, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. And in your exclusive three CD set that you did for us, you go into stuff that you haven't uh, wrote about yet. And we're really excited about that. But uh, yes. uh, Ivan, why did you write this book? Hey, listen, I wrote this book. It's real simple why I wrote it. God, you know, I had to wait 35 years before God said, okay, I want you to write a book. And I said, okay, God, I'll do that. Because I wasn't allowed to talk about it until the Holy Spirit said it's time. So I went ahead and, and I went into deep prayer over it. And I started writing the book because God said people's not, eyes need to be open. Their ears need to be open. They need to understand that there's so much demonic activity out here today. And we need to stop going in that direction. We need to turn this world around. All of us do. Every Christian out there, forget denominations. We're talking about the people. If we don't break these things off of us, and we, you know, we got to get people where they're saved. This, this isn't just a mission of being saved. This is a mission of saving the world from the direction it's going in. And this book is to open your eyes. This book is to to make you realize there's much more afterlife than you ever imagined. And what you do today in your life determines what your afterlife is going to be. Believe me, it does. People say you don't get saved by works. No, you don't. You don't get saved by works, but works go along with if you truly love God, you'll follow his ways. And and that's so important because right now so many people have so many different beliefs and things that are they're getting crazy out there. And, and the other thing is that once saved, always saved, and I'm going to be blunt here, is not true. It's leading more people to hell than all of the atheistic teachings that are out there because people believe this. They think they're saved they, they, you know, because somebody, some pastor told them that. Well, I got news for you. I saw pastors in hell. I saw deacons in hell. I saw evangelists in hell. I saw very good people that were in hell. Wow. Because they believe once saved, always saved. And yeah, they did some things, but they didn't believe that they had to ever ask for forgiveness again. Wow. I mean, if that's not sobering to everybody that's listening, it, it keeps you humble. It keeps you focused on the fear of the Lord. I tell you, 
uh, Ivan, what you experienced in hell and what you brought back from hell and heaven, the experience, is really going to change a lot of people's lives. And uh, when we were telling your story here a minute ago, I mean, there's so much that we can't get into on this podcast, but we left you. You were still in hell. Obviously, you didn't stay there because you're with us today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, before we get into what how you got out, what was going on in your heart, in your mind? Uh, I mean, wh- what were you thinking? personally well personally i was thinking okay how come i'm in hell wow you know i i i'm, I'm just i'm just i'm thinking that and then i'm realizing i'm, I'm you know look I, it gets very personal when i talk about this and it, and it hurts because i really messed up my life you know and and i'm done and i'm in hell and ryan this is forever i mean there, there's no escape. A hundred million years is less than a click of a second in hell in eternity. And I had messed up my life and I'm done. I'm done, Ryan. I mean, this is it. This is where I'm at. And all I could think about is all the things that I did as a kid and all the things I did as a teenager that were good things. And then all the bad things that I did, you know, and I thought about it and I thought about it over and over again. You never get away from it. You relive it over and over and over constantly. There's no day or night. You're just there. It just is. And you don't change. You're tormented and and, and, and you're tortured and you're just thinking, why, why, why did I do, why did I fall for this? How could I have been so stupid as to not realize that the word of God was true and we need to just abide by the word of God? But I was in hell and it was over and all these thoughts running through my head. Why didn't I? Why did It's too late. But you never get away from that thought. See, those of you who are listening, that's why you have to be careful and guard against lukewarmness, because when you're lukewarm, the Bible says in Revelation that the Lord will spit you out. And if the, pro- the problem with lukewarmness, there's, it's, it's a big problem, but you that, that means you're on the fence. So listen, my friend, at any point you could lean one way or the other. You could lean and go to hell, or you can lean and get right with God and be on fire for God. That Lukewarmness is, is a very, very dangerous place to live. And Ivan saw some incredible things. A lot more is on the CD set uh, that, we, that we can't get into on the podcast. But I'm telling you, uh, I really feel... The reverential fear of the Lord as we're talking about this, because hell is not a joke. Hell is hot. Hell is for real. Heaven is awesome. And and if you're born again and you love Jesus and you're serving him, that's where you're going to go. And so this is a very sobering message for everybody. Now, when you were in hell, all of a sudden, the good news is that you heard a voice like like what you call a mighty roar of thunder. What did that voice say? It said it's not his time. I made a promise to his mother. You must release him or you must let him go now. Wow. Here's the thing. My mother had been praying for me two to three times a day our whole life. I was 26 years old. Add it up. Figured if it's three times a day, it's about 28,000 times. If it's two times a day, it's 18,000 times. So somewhere around 20 to 28,000 times my mother prayed for me. Wow. During my lifetime. Wow. That's a lot of prayer. Yes, it is. Thank you, mamas. Yes. So parent, before I go any further, parents, never, ever, ever stop praying for your children. Never. Because it wasn't my my mother, as I found out later, she just said, listen, I prayed and I said, God, 
Do not allow any of my children to go to hell. Don't don't allow them. I'll do whatever, Lord. I sell out to you, and she sold out to God. Wow. And and she did. And I know people think, well, that's crazy, but no, it's true. That's true. But it but it wasn't my time, and God made her a promise. So this evil spirit that I couldn't move, it had no effect from my punches. And believe me, I was a one punch wonder back then. You know, I punched <laughs> somebody, and they were down. And and this demon wasn't even affected by anything I did. Immediately shuddered. He was scared, and he let go of me. And all of a sudden, as soon as he let go of me, it was like I just flew through space. I, I can't explain it, Ryan, because it's not like anything we understand. But I just, and I'm there, and I'm at the gates of heaven. And, and I'm looking at this gate, and it's beautiful. And there's this bright light everywhere. Everything glowed. It didn't hurt your eyes, and you could see everything. And now all of a sudden I have all this hope in this presence, you know, it is everything. And in this heavenly being, this, this angel standing there outside the gate and the angel told me, he says, Hey, you're going to go with me. And the angel wanted to take me around heaven. And it was really neat. I mean, the, the gate now I want to tell you something. It's like pearls, but I can't say it is pearls. I don't know what you want to call it, but it looked like pearls. It was just so beautiful in the, like rainbow colors just running all through it. And the light came from inside the city gate. And the light that came from inside the city gate was just so beautiful. It was unbelievable. And it penetrates every part of your being. In other words, you don't just see the light, you feel the light. And it's beautiful. And it's like having love shot all through you. It's kind of hard to explain that. And I moved closer and the angel appeared to me and, and said that I couldn't stay there yet. And he said, you know, that it's not my time. And I could see everything inside the gate and I could feel everything else that everyone else felt. In other words, anybody that's in heaven feels the same thing I was feeling. Everybody did. But I had to go back to earth. I had things I had to do back on earth, which I didn't want to hear. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but while you're in heaven, let's just talk about heaven for another moment. And again, in the CD set, you're, and in your book, you talk about so many wonderful and beautiful things that you that you yeah. saw and heard. Uh, a couple of things I want to point out real quick is you saw these huge structures made with pure white stone. Yes. They're, they're, they're buildings. I, 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 from what I can understand at that point in time, they're mansions. That's where people live at. And, and they're just gorgeous. I mean, I just saw the outside of them, not the inside of them, but they're beautiful. It's like a white marble stone that just glistened and, the lights just came off. It was just, oh, so beautiful. And the streets, now the streets look like they're gold, but they're the shiniest, purest gold you could ever see. And by the way, when you walk on them, they're soft. Oh, they're different. nice. Yeah. And, and there was a river that was running through the garden. And this river that ran through all of heaven ran right down the middle of the street in heaven. And this river, the water was so clear that you couldn't tell there was really water there at first. But when it when it trickled down there, it sounded like little children laughing. You know, the water, the sound of the water. I love that. And yeah, every noise in heaven just fills you with joy anyways. And then there were two gigantic trees on both sides of the river. And they were just beautiful trees. You know, they had 12 different fruits on them. They had huge leaves. I mean, they're two to three foot long leaves, sometimes bigger. They could have been six foot long. There's no measuring sticks up there, so, <laughs> you know. And, and but they were like magnolia leaves, if you know what they look like. But yes. They were much, much bigger. 
but oh, it was beautiful. And people were walking and looking up. Now, all, all the leaves looked exactly the same because there's no shadow on the leaves. There's no shadow at all up there. There's no shadow in heaven. No darkness. It, it, no, none whatsoever. Now, Ivan, I want to move through this a little quick because we have some uh, prophetic things we want to get to as well. You heard worship and praise in heaven that was beautiful before it even was released on earth, correct? Yeah, that is correct. I I heard songs like what Jesus Culture sings, their their song Holy that they sing. I mean, it was like that. You hear this holy, I don't sing, but you (laughs) you just hear it and it's, oh, and it, it just goes through your body. Whenever you hear music in heaven, it, it, you just you don't just hear it; you taste it. Even I mean, music is so beautiful. Mm. It and, and I know, contrary to what some people would like to think, it's we're not singing the old rugged cross up there. It's not songs like that. It's it's just it's so beautiful. It's almost like music that it just comes out and it, it, it's it's like chanting to the Lord, no. chanting praises wow. to Him. So yeah. good. And then you you saw people meeting their loved ones for the first time. Yes. Yeah. There's when you go to heaven, if you have family up there, <laughs> hopefully you do, or you have family up there, they come and greet you when you get to heaven. And you, you see people you never even knew you had in your family, you know, great, <laughs> great, 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 great grandparents that were Christians and, wow. and, thing, and they come and they run and they hug you and they love you. And, and children that passed away were coming to greet their parents, you know, and, and even, I'm going to be real blunt here for just a minute, even, the aborted children were there to see the mother and the fathers. Wow. They loved them. And for those of you who are listening, what a contrast between the hopelessness, despair, and darkness and hell compared to the joy, the love, the peace, the glory that is found in heaven. I mean, this is what we're, what we're living for. This is why the, the Jesus saved us. We're going to go to heaven. And I am telling you, the things that await us are beautiful and wonderful. Uh, why not live for him here? Why not go after God with all your heart now while you have the chance? Because like Ivan said earlier, th- this is just, uh, we're just uh, working here for the reward and what we're going to see in heaven. And you saw so many wonderful things, uh, but... I'm going to go ahead and, and bring you back to life, so to speak. So there, there are just <laughs> so so many wonderful things that we could talk about heaven. And I know people that are listening are like, oh, I want more. Well, you can read the book. You can listen to the CDs. Uh, but, okay, so you came back to life. What happened? Well, what happened, there were two paramedics in my room. And the one guy had just checked me and he put his hand up to my neck and found out that I was dead. It was obvious. You know, they figured because— I, my blood was already coagulating in my wrist and my elbow and my shoulder. As they went to kind of move my arm a little bit, they could tell it didn't just flop. It, it had some stiffness to it. They knew I had been dead for quite a while. And and I can remember the one little heavier set guy, he just he did that to me. He turned around, looked at the other guy, shook his head no. They started to walk out of the room because the other guy was going to call the paramedics, or excuse me, call the, uh, the morgue. And when he went to go call the morgue, he told the other guy, he says, make sure he's not bleeding someplace because he didn't know if I was stabbed or what. So the other guy came back in the room to check me. And when he did, as he put his hand to my chest to kind of or underneath my chest, kind of move me a little bit. When that happened, I came back in my body. Now, it felt like somebody hit me with 240 volts of electricity. My body just I could feel it shaking. And I, I, it just shook violently for a few seconds. And I just went, <gasps> Uh, and 
I tell everybody I scared that paramedic to death, scared me to life, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> they jumped back. It scared him, you know, and he wanted to know if I was okay and everything. It was really hard to be blunt with you. It was really hard to talk to make anything work right. But I was trying to, the only first word I could get out was no, you know, you know, I'm okay. Yo, no, <laughs> I just, that was the first thing that happened. <laughs> well, we're glad you're back. And you wrote an incredible book called One Man's Journey to Hell, Heaven, and Back, and an exclusive three CD set for us, which is powerful. And before we go, we got about seven minutes left. Talk about what the Lord showed you with these experiences and the prophetic things He's shown you about the outpouring and the future events that are coming in America and around the world. And I know I just asked you to say something that in seven minutes, but you know, if you could hit the highlights, that would be wonderful. Sure. Well, first of all, there's a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is coming. It's going to be huge. It's going to go all over the earth. It's not just here, you know. Uh, and you're going to know the difference between the manifestations of the Spirit that have never been shown to man before, and you're going to be aware of the false prophets because the false prophets are out there for greed. Not just for money, but greed for everybody to recognize them. But when you see this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about people that are on street corners are just going to start speaking in tongues. They're going to give their life to the Lord right on the street corner, right on the side of the road, and they're going to start speaking in tongues. They're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to hit so hard. It's unbelievable. You know, there's future events that are going to happen. And, and these future events are not because God's angry with the world. It's just things that are just supposed to happen. There's going to be earthquakes at a 9.5 to a 12.5. That's never been recorded like that before in the future. It's coming. You know, I, in fact, even in my book, I wrote now. Remember, I wrote the book in 2013. It came out in 2014. But what I wrote in there was about Asia. And one of the things I wrote about Asia is how that, you know, they're going to have plagues coming out of there, just like what's happened here. And, uh, and people born with unusual birth defects, the cancer rate's going to climb high there. I saw things that are going to happen in Europe. There's going to be earthquakes never had before. Uh, South America, the things that are going to happen there in Brazil. I talk about the crime rate that's going to climb so drastically it's unreal. Uh, things about India, Africa, how the Muslim faiths are going to try to kill all the Christians in the area there. Diseases that are going to run rampant in Africa. I saw what's going to happen in Mexico and Central America, New Zealand, Australia. I, I talk about Australia because of the different weather-related occurrences that are going to happen there more than anything else. They're going to have some extreme heats and cold that will grip the nation. And then they're going to have some pestilence that's going to happen all over there where flies and gnats will fly in the air and, and, and seem like it's dark. But then for the United States of America or North America, U.S. and Canada— it's going to receive its fair shares of earthquakes and volcanoes erupting. But there's going to be a massive eruption in the U.S. that will affect the whole world's climate. And this was not something that was expected. They're expecting it like 100,000 years from now or whatever. But this volcano, when it erupts out of Wyoming, this is not to scare people. This is just a warning later on that when this volcano erupts out of Wyoming and the Yellowstone area, it's going to be so massive that for hundreds of miles around, nothing will be left standing. And a toxic cloud it'll produce and the ash cloud, it's going to cover most of Canada and at least two-thirds of the U.S. It'll change the global climate. And these things are going to happen. You know, and, but not only that, other things are going to happen, too, which is already starting. And when I wrote this book, you got to remember, it was a few years ago, and I saw this in 1978. There's going to be a major shift in how this government's run in the U.S., 
the people are going to take back their government and the liberal policies will be overturned and God will be put back into the government and schools. They will repent. Now, that's good news. I'm telling you, the, the even though that there's a lot of things that are going to come that may seem disruptive in the, in the U.S. and around the world, uh, there's going to be that outpouring like Ivan talked about. And Ivan, before we pray, you, did, you do say, you do teach that some events can be changed through prayer. Yes. Uh, yeah, no nation, continent or anything or city will escape, you know, this, this thing that's going to go on because it seems like the earth is turning on itself. But listen. The warning light's on, the siren sounding. We need to take heed. We need to pray. You can change the course of events through prayer. You know, there'll be some natural disasters that will happen, but not because not everyone's going to take the warning anyways. You know, they're going to battle against God. But here's what we need to do. We need to get into prayer, all of us. We need to drop our denominational, you know, walls and say, let's pray together. Let's join together. We have to join together as men and women of God and, and children of God. And we need to seek prayer. We need to say, God, we want these events changed. We don't want this war. We don't want these things that are going on. And if we seek him in prayer, God answers our prayers. And we can change life as we think it to be. Absolutely. Speaking of prayer, Ivan, whatever is in your spirit to pray over the people right now, please go for it. Yes. Heavenly Father, you know, Lord, I, I come to you right now, God. You know my heart. You know, God, that I'm hungry to see people come to you. But God, more than anything else, not just come to you, I want the people that claim to be Christians now, God, to recognize that right now, Heavenly Father, we need to seek you. We need to fall on our face before you. We need to worship you. We need to spend time in prayer with you. So God, I'm praying right now that the people that hear my voice, that claim to be men and women of God, that they will really turn their lives over to you completely that they'll quit trying to live this this lukewarm life, that they'll completely change. And those, Lord, that have never known you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you move on them. Spirit of God, move on the people that hear this right now. Touch their hearts, touch their lives, change them, God. Help them understand and recognize they need to make the change. They need to cry out. They need to ask for forgiveness, God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit moves on them and convicts them and convicts those that claim to be Christians from doing the wrong thing. And God, I pray that you open their eyes that once saved, always saved is not the route to go. But once saved and staying saved is what you want to do. And I pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest Ivan Tuttle. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. Ivan Tuttle wants to reveal to you the extraordinary things that God showed him regarding heaven and hell in his book, A Journey to Hell, Heaven and Back. In this life-changing book, you will read a firsthand account of the terrors of hell and the glory of heaven. Uh, Why do you have to know about hell? Because if you understand the consequence of not knowing Jesus, you will have a passion like I do to share the gospel with everyone that God directs you to. Now, this book may be the most important book you will ever read. Ivan also recorded an exclusive three CD set entitled Heaven, Hell, and the Future, 
where he shares many of the things that he experienced in heaven and hell that were not written in this book. He'll also share prophetic insight into what God himself has shown him for the future. At the end of the series, Ivan prays for you to have your own encounter with God. Call now for Ivan's book, A Journey to Hell, Heaven, and Back, and his exclusive three CD set, Heaven, Hell, and the Future, for an investment of 29 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Ivan's book, A Journey to Hell, Heaven, and Back, and his exclusive three CD set, Heaven, Hell, and the Future, offer number 9711 for an investment of 29 U.S. dollars. Be sure to ask for offer number 9711. Once again, that's offer number 9711.